Welcome back to My Seminary Life. I'm your host, Brandon Knight, and today is the finale to our month-long series, Roots of Sabbath, where we have been digging into the theological reasoning, some of the historical reasoning for why we should even today continue to observe Sabbath rest as a healthy spiritual discipline in our lives. And as a way to bring this conversation to an end, folks, I brought in a ringer. I brought in an expert. I brought in someone who's going to knock it out of the park. Maybe I should have done this first and bring the expert in first, but I did what I did. Uh, here with us today is Rachel Fehrenbach. Rachel, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that, that's quite the introduction. I would not call myself an expert, just somebody who's practicing. Well, you know, I got to, you got to build it up, you know, you got to, <laughs> I you gotta appreciate build up, it. <laughs> you always got to build up, yes, you know, yeah. uh, but you have been, as you said, practicing Sabbath and even took to podcasting to talk about it with your show, Simply Sabbath, where the final episode or the final for now episode, as you said, uh, just recently came out. Uh, mm -hmm. You're also a writer and a coach as well, I believe, correct? Yes. So I actually um, help fiction writers make an impact and an income from their writing. So I focus more in on explaining how online marketing and business work um, and make kind of connect the dots for the fiction writer to know how to get their books into the hands of a reader. So, you, so you're a uh, writer and fiction uh, coach with uh, on the marketing end of things. So how do you get from that to I'm going to do a podcast about the Sabbath? T take us on a uh, take us on a journey here. What was going on that led to this podcast coming to be? Well, actually, it's the opposite. It was practicing Sabbath led me to coaching fiction writers. And so, oh. yeah, so I'll try to keep it short and sweet. Um, but about four well, it's actually longer than that. About six years ago, um, we suddenly, well, I say suddenly because even though we had been in the adoption process for a bit, we were, we got a phone call and said, that said, hey, the baby has been born. Would you like to adopt him? <laughs> and we said, sure. Oh, and then three days later, he was in our home. So it was kind of a whirlwind sudden mm -hmm. in that regard. Um and so he was our, our third child, brought him home, and the newborn stage, you know how um, it goes. I, do you have children? I think you do, right? I do, yes, yes. Yes. So you know, that newborn stage, it is a total new level of exhaustion. And mm -hmm. um, it just seemed to compound the exhaustion I was already feeling. And sure. I began to struggle with just this like burnt outness. I was running a nonprofit at the time um, with some other uh, ladies. We were hundred percent volunteer ran. So um, anybody who has ran a, an organization that's nonprofit mainly with volunteers understands the unique struggle that it is um, because volunteers can easily up and leave you. Um, mm. And so there's a lot of times where you're having to pick up the slack or maybe there's not a volunteer that week. So I was having to step in a lot with a lot of the roles. And so I was just experiencing this very deep exhaustion, very deep um, sense of just lost being feeling lost um, and physical, physically just exhausted too. And so there was sure. like an emotional, a spiritual and a physical exhaustion and I was burnt out and it was starting to share a show. Sorry. It was starting to show very clearly. I was starting to be um, very quick in my responses. Um, a lot of short fuses happening, a lot of bitterness happening, a lot of um, resentment about things. And one of those things being that I wasn't getting to write <laughs> because uh. I have wanted to be a writer for a very long time now. Um, I went to college for creative writing and I actually majored in both creative writing and business management. Um, but my plan was to work in Christian publishing and God took me First, he put me in as an editor at a scientific journal. So, you know, the furthest oh. thing possible from fiction. And um, sure. and so 
he has taken me on a long winding road of as far as career wise. Um, everything has been for a reason and for a purpose and nothing has been wasted. But I think in those moments where we're just exhausted and we're not really sure, we can't really see the forest for the trees. You know, we're just like in this state of survival mode that Mm -hmm. that bitterness, that kind of resentment can kind of creep up. And that's the place I found myself in. And so that continued for a little bit. It wasn't until about four and a half years ago. So we're talking like my son was born and that still continued for about a year and a half. And then um, about, it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny how much you can push past things and, but, and it just kind of keeps building and growing and growing. Um, but it was, it was starting to wear on me and I was starting to be like, that's it. We just need to quit everything. And this is, you know, I wouldn't call myself depressed. I just was frustrated. And, um, and at the time at our church, our, uh, our church started to do a sermon series on the 10 commandments. And, uh, during a small group, one night we were discussing the sermon. It was the fourth commandment about the Sabbath. And we all kind of got into this discussion, this heated discussion <laughs> as far as That's what right. actually constitutes as rest and what is rest and, and, um, and should we even have to keep the Sabbath and all the things that normally come up when you start talking about the Sabbath. And we mm-hmm. just kept looking, you know, in scripture and excuse me. Um, I remember sitting there with the Bible in my hands and I'm just rereading the scripture and this just thought came to my mind, which obviously it was the Holy Spirit, but I just remember the prompting of what would it mean for my life if I was to take this seriously? Am I missing something? Is there something here that we could benefit from if we just took him at his word on us he's saying mm-hmm. keep the sabbath holy why aren't mm-hmm. we listening it's a commandment and so i'm like we didn't pitch the other nine why are we pitching this one and so um i remember walking out of the, the church that night and my husband kind of looked at me and he's like we're not done having this conversation are we and i'm like i don't think so <laughs> So that be kind of that kind of was a catalyst. It was, and I share that about being so exhausted and frustrated because, um, what what happened after that? As we began to practice Sabbath, as we began to kind of take God at His word, kind of mm-hmm. just say, "Okay, I'm surrendering to you." Um, I say that to say that I was doing a lot of good things. A lot of things that you would say were good. I wasn't like over, you know, it was all good things. I was helping people get food. I was working in the nonprofit I was running was was a food pantry. You know, it was good things. It was all good things. Family, friends, nonprofit work, you know, but Mm -hmm. I was too busy. And at the end of the day, I thought it all rested on my shoulders Mm -hmm. and I was afraid to let go of that. Um. And I also share that because what came out of that practicing, that surrendering, that just trusting the Lord, that if I was to set something down for one day, the world was not going to fall apart and he would continue to take care of me. There was such a healing that came out of that. And I say, I felt like a stabilizing peace come back over my life. And I felt more rooted and grounded than I ever had before and more sure of my purpose than I ever had before. And I was able to begin to make changes and began to make just slight adjustments that has Mm -hmm. brought me to the place where I am today, where I can say, yes, I'm publishing a novel in June. And yes, I am working with fiction writers and all these things. And, um, and so we, after that, after that, um, that night, I started like mm-hmm. digging into all these scriptures or like digging into the scriptures, digging into all these resources that I could find. And I have to say, like when I first started four and a half years ago, trying to find resources, they weren't as readily available as they are now. Um, mm. There a lot of the books that we now reference on Sabbath um, came out like a year later. 
And so like I was in the middle of it. So it's funny because like when I started my podcast, I was like, how did I miss these books? My first go round of looking at resources. And I was like, oh, huh. that's why they weren't out yet. Okay. Um, there you go. But so, yeah, so I started digging into it and um, kind of just, there wasn't really any true direction as to what it could look like or what it should like look like or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just knew that my salvation didn't depend on it, but my, I'll put it this way. I don't believe our salvation depends on us practicing Sabbath, but I do believe that practicing Sabbath brings about a more abundant life. Okay. So, okay. I can track with you on that. Yeah. So as I started piecing together, what I, you know, looking in scriptures, looking in resources of, you know, theologians that had studied a little bit more deeply than I had. Um, I just kind of, and, and two, looking at the traditions of um, those of the Jewish faith and seeing what they had done mm-hmm. for centuries, you know, I sure. decided that I was going to focus on a couple of things, mainly reconnection with God and reconnection with my family. And, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of was the beginning point. Um, I created a little bit of a structure for us with the help of my husband and we started doing that. And honestly, we pretty much have been doing that for the last four years. We've adjusted it slightly here and there, refined some things, but what we started out with, we pretty much have been doing for four years. Um, And the number one thing out of that practice that has been personally, you know, there's many, many benefits, but the thing that has been most Mm -hmm. personally just um, like I mentioned before, that grounding, that um, that holistic healing was mm-hmm. in um, at, as part of our Sabbath practice. I would have an hour by myself where I would sit there and just reflect on my week. And I would just mm-hmm. ask, you know, what did I embrace this week? How did God embrace me this week? And what do I hope for mm-hmm. next week? And I just okay. went through those questions and then I started asking other questions like, who am I? Who does God say I am? What is my purpose? What is this idea of belonging? And I started asking God those questions in that space of that hour. And I think because I was in a state of rest instead of a state of like, you know, I think sometimes when we go to church or do Bible studies or even small groups and stuff like that, we're kind of in a state of doing and yeah. um, because I was in a state of rest, I think I was more open to hearing the truth that God had for me about mm. who he said I was. And so um, that's where that healing began was through that weekly practice of sitting with him and saying, okay, this is how I see the week went. <laughs> show me where I was wrong. Show me where I'm right. And show me mm. ways that I didn't even notice you were there. And um, mm. so that's actually... The first part of, um, I started just talking about that online, started sharing about that online. And I had a, a number of women who were like, wait, 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 how do you do this thing? <laughs> what does this look like? <laughs> Especially the mom. They're like, I've read a book and it's pretty, you know, I've read some books and they're really, you know, insightful. And I totally want to start practicing Sabbath, but I'm sorry, they were written by a guy and they don't quite get what it means to be a mom and <laughs> trying to rest. <laughs> and I sure. said, well this is what I've come up with. And so I actually ended up publishing a guided journal that, that showed them how I was doing that reflective practice. And then I launched Mm. the podcast. And um, so, yeah, so then that's kind of how it all came about is as I started really understanding who I was in the space of resting in God, that's when I was able to make some of those um, progress, that progress forward in my writing career and writing journey. And that You're, was a very uh, long, very long answer to your fine. question. That was a great <laughs> answer to the question. I got to say, I uh, obviously different stage of life is what my wife and I are going through. But there are moments in this in your story where I can definitely relate. I really feel like we are at that that uh, boiling point that you mm-hmm. were at of like, it's time for rest. My wife just had our first child uh, almost nine months ago. He's almost nine months old. And Congratulations. thank you. We call him producer Cooper here on the show. His name's Cooper. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, kind of outside of the norm, not as not that strange anymore, but I'm the stay at home parent. Mm-hmm. And so though I don't know, I don't know what it's like to be a woman, obviously, because I am a guy. I do kind of understand that heaviness of I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. There's a pile of dishes 
the laundry needs to be folded and he is screaming at me and I just want to go look at my phone for an hour. Yeah. So I can connect with that. I'm in seminary soon to be done. Praise the Lord. My wife, she's works Monday through Friday, an office job comes Mm -hmm. home. She stays up with him. She's the one who takes the night shift, even though she works, she wants to make sure that, If I'm staying home with him during the day, she wants to make sure that I can get a decent night of sleep at least. So we're making it work, but it's definitely that like, oh my gosh, this is exhausting. And you have three kids. That's insane. I don't know how people keep going. (laughs) You know why? Because those little kids are so adorable and you begin to forget how much they stole your sleep when they first came. (laughs) You know, (laughs) My son is finally at that point where he's starting to like, when he cries, he'll look up and reach up for me. And I'll just think I'm exhausted, but this is adorable. Come here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Something kicks in. I will say that, that, that what you just explained or like expressed right there, that's the number one thing that I hear women struggling with a lot is that, that like, um, there's all these things that are going on. Like if, and so they would come to me, they're like, how do I Sabbath from this? Like, mm-hmm. I can't stop feeding the kid. I can't stop, like, changing sure. diapers. Like, how do I how do I rest from this? And I had to um, explain to them what I had come to understand. I'm like, this is not your work. And they're like, mm. well, yes, they are. My kids are my, my most important work. I'm like, I'm not saying that. that. I know we kind of have this skewed idea of what it means to be a parent and what work is. Mm-hmm. And... I'm like, we have to kind of pull those two apart because we have a responsibility to take care of our children, mm-hmm. you know, physically, spiritually, um, emotionally. We have a responsibility to them because they depend on us. So we have a responsibility to the care of their person, but they are mm-hmm. not our work because work is creating and cultivating and stewarding the world. Yes. And so that is two separate things. And so um, having to really like redefine what work is, um, I think helps parents to understand how they can actually rest. And so I had to start um, for myself realizing that my week is not about the nine to five of Monday through Friday, especially as a mother, especially I homeschool, I work from home. Um, you know, like, so my life just kind of has these very odd things that get fit into the week. And then my husband has a corporate job where he is gone nine to five. Right. So we were kind of working with these two different realities. Um, so when we started talking about the week, um, and what that, that looks like, what does it mean to have a work week and a rest, a day of rest? Um, I started realizing we need to look at the week more holistically as six days of work and one day of rest. And that whatever happened in those six days, that was work. And so that might be something at home. That might be something at a job. That might be something um, me teaching my children. That might be doing housework. Um, And then that day of rest was a day to delight in the Lord, Mm -hmm. to reconnect with Mm -hmm. God, reconnect with each other, to delight in the work of our hands and to just rest in the goodness and the provision of God. And so when I started kind of um, categorizing it that way. It helped me to see the things that like, yes, we're going to have to still change diapers on Sabbath. We still have to go to the bathroom ourselves, right? Like, yes, we're still going to have to feed our kids on Sabbath because we have to eat on Sabbath, right? Like there's these things are just care, caring for the being the, you know, the person. And so, yes, those Mm -hmm. things are going to continue, but the things that can be set down are, you don't have to vacuum the rooms on Sabbath. You know, you don't have to um, go grocery shopping on Sabbath. Like you don't have to Mm -hmm. do some of these, these tasks that are about providing for the home and for the family. And so I think when we look in scripture and we start to see like um, the, the prescription for what we're not supposed to do on the Sabbath, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it blows people's minds when they find out there's really not that many rules. There's like, I think like four or five of them, maybe six. Okay. Um, and I, and I explained to them, you can pretty much sum them all up as to be the same. Don't do anything that is an active, um, an active pursuit of provision, like an active pursuit of trying to provide for your family. 
That's mm-hmm. pretty much when you look at them, that's what yes. they're all about. This is a time for you to be trusting in God's provision. And so yeah. when you kind of just sum it up that way, you're like, okay, that kind of redefines what that means for our modern day. It's not about the rules. It's about a posture of the, of the heart. Um, mm-hmm. And so it can kind of help you refocus what that means to rest in this kind of, especially as a parent and especially as a parent with young mm-hmm. kids, what that can actually mean for you to get that day of rest. Yeah, I've noticed this as well, doing this class and doing some research on the Jewish mentality when it comes to the Sabbath, that we definitely have a skewed, inaccurate view of work and also what this day is. Mm -hmm. Because we have this idea that it's like, I'm not going to do anything. That's it. I'm just going to go to church and take a nap and that's it. That's what Sabbath rest is. And that's, that can be part of it for Mm -hmm. sure, but that's not, that, that's not it. And it's not this, like, it, it is about the, it is about the labor. It's about the commerce. It's about the Mm -hmm. stepping back from that to reflect, as you said, on the provision of the Lord. It's, Mm -hmm. I don't know how we, I don't know where along the line this all kind of got skewed and messy. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you read the book, um, A Brief History of Sunday? I have not. It's a very oh, interesting, it is like mind blowing. Um, I forget the, it's just something, I forget, Gonzalez, I think is his last name. And okay. um, A Brief History of Sunday. It's a very short book. It is a very easy read, but he essentially, it's a survey of how we moved from the, from the Friday Sabbath night to um, this idea of Sunday being our, our day of rest okay. in the Christian okay. faith. It's not an argument for or against anything in particular. It's just literally a survey, but it was very mm. eye-opening. And in that question that you just asked, how did we get here? How did we get so far away from what... Um, you know, we see in scripture, God, I love how God throws in so many feasts in there for, for the Israelites to follow. Like, I know. I'm like, I love how much God loves the party. <laughs> like, it's like, right. You know, it's like, um, growing up, my, the joke in my family was that my mom could always find a, a reason to have a party. And so, okay. um, and so I'm like, yeah, I love how God always wants to have a party with us. Um, but I think people forget too, that like the Sabbath is part of that like that that um, rhythm of rejoicing they think it's such this rhythm it's and a lot of it has to do with the what the puritans did to the sabbath day um what a and, surprise you know what i mean like that you know there's a lot that has to do with that but then there's a lot that the industrial Re- revolution had an impact on it so it's very like i said that book's a very interesting one to read through and just kind of get an overview of the history but um i think what what uh, I think that for me, when I started looking into, oh, you know, Sabbath was continued to be celebrated when a feast would happen. Like you still celebrated Sabbath, like Sabbath just kind of got wrapped up into the feast. And um, like we see things with Passover, you know, um, Sabbath would still be part of Passover. It was actually like a marker at some point, you know, along the way. And mm-hmm. um and so it's just really interesting how we have gotten so far away from this idea that this idea of communal worship and reflection and re- remembrance and rejoicing. Um, and so, and I think it's interesting. A lot of times people talk about Sabbath. They're like, oh, we don't need to celebrate or we don't need to observe. Sorry, I say celebrate because in my mind, I'm celebrating when I Sabbath. But, um, sure. you know, when they say, oh, we don't need to keep Sabbath anymore. Um or we don't need to observe it or whatnot, they'll, they'll say, oh, because it's part of the law. And I'll say, mm-hmm. do you know, okay, so do you remember when the Israelites were in the desert and God gave them manna and he told them to not collect it on the seventh day, that they were to co- collect twice as much on the sixth day? And they're like, yeah, 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 I remember that. Like, do you know that comes before the law is given? And it always like kind of like blows people's minds a little bit. And I'm like, the Sabbath exists outside of the law. In my opinion, the Jews were given Sabbath to steward until Christ came. Okay. 
And I think in Isaiah, we see this even where he talks about that one day the Gentiles and the Jew will celebrate Sabbath together. Mm. And so I think that there's just this understanding that Sabbath is this bigger, you know, this bigger theological idea. I think it has sure. a lot of ties to the creation story. And I think it has, yes. um, it has this very, um, it has this spiritual implication for us is that we are looking forward towards the new heaven and the new York, new earth when Christ will return. And Sabbath gives us a glimpse of that. It helps us remember that that's coming. So for me, that's kind of, it's like this holistic look from Genesis to revelation. I think Sabbath has always been there um, and will continue to be. And I think it's a gift that's wrapped up in a command. And um, I just think it's such a beautiful thing that God invites us into. I definitely agree that this is, this seems to be a regular rhythm all the way in the beginning. You know, the, if the infinite God of the universe decides to take a break from creating to reflect and to declare that everything is good, we're the finite ones in the conversation. Why do we try to not, <laughs> you know, and honestly, I, I'm going to go look for that book. I'm going to go look for that book because that does sound pretty good now. Uh, but honestly, if I would have sat and thought about it, I probably could have guessed that the Puritans and the Industrial Revolution were the <laughs> ones who really made a mess of this. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, brought up, you brought up earlier, um, I want to talk now about some things that people can do on the mm -hmm. Sabbath. You've been doing this for four and a half years. This is something my wife and I are starting. So... I'm gleaning things from other people that sound good trying to implement into our life. You brought up earlier this uh, hour practice that you have, this very theological, almost existential practice of just what was my week? What was my week like? God, what do you have to say to me during this time? What other practices have you uh, brought into your, your Sabbath day? for yourself and for your family. Cause I know that's a big part of Sabbath is communal family worship as well. So what are some good habits that you would recommend? So, um, yeah, that's a great question. I, first of all, I would highly recommend, highly, highly, highly recommend that, um, that somebody who's practicing Sabbath, that they commit to a 24 hour period. And, okay. um, and I think, if I would, um, the reason being is because it gives you space to get into it. You know, if you go on a trip, um, anybody who has, you know, like you get on the road and you're like, okay, did we have everything? Do we, you know, like, you're like, okay, we got to get in the car. We got to get going. You get on the road. Sure. You're like, okay, do we know where? Okay. All right. And as you get along the road, you start to kind of relax and you get mm -hmm. into it. And so when people say to me like, oh, you know, I have a Sabbath practice. It's on Sunday. You know, I do church and maybe I rest for a little bit after church and then I get back into the swing of things. I'm like, you don't even mm -hmm. have time to fully get into what it means to be resting before you have to step out of it. Whereas when you have this longer runway, it really just gives you more time to get just to really to really just relax into it, to really like just sit in it. And, um, and so I would really encourage families to set aside a day. And I don't think it matters which day of the week that you practice it. Um, okay. We have done it. We have done it from Friday evening. Currently, we're doing Friday evening to Saturday evening. Um, we have done it in the past, especially when our kids were littler. We did from um, Saturday at noon to Sunday at noon after we came home from church. So that was kind of the end of our Sabbath. Um, we have done... Okay. Saturday evening to Sunday evening. So like, I mean, whatever. And I have friends and I have interviewed people who their Sabbath is Monday. I have a friend whose Sabbath is Thursday night to Friday night. Like it, okay. it's whatever works best for your family. I think God is more concerned about the rhythmic weekly observance rather than which day of the week it is. I think God is a God who really cares about rhythms and cycles and, um, and that consistent showing up to something, I think that's where we really find um, just a, a deepening of our faith and a deepening of um, our understanding of who God is. And so I would suggest, as a good rule of thumb, set aside a full day. Now, 
I want to emphasize that 24-hour period because I think people are like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to set aside the whole day of Saturday. If you do it that way, what happens is you actually have a longer Sabbath because you're going to bed and sleeping for eight hours. You get up, you have your full mm-hmm. day, you go to bed, you sleep another eight hours. So you've extended your Sabbath by 16 hours. And so ah. there's a... It, I have had people say to me, I tried to rest the whole day, but I feel like I am running out of time. I feel like I'm hurried. I'm all these things. I said, well, that's because you're Sabbathing for too long. <laughs> and they're like, what? Right. I'm like, okay. you, you added 16 hours onto the day. Of course you feel like you don't have enough time. Um, I think there's something really wise about the way that the Jewish faith says it, where it's from sundown to sundown. Because okay. there's a guaranteed rest in there. Right. You're guaranteed yeah. to rest for eight hours. And so um, so that's another kind of little bit of a tidbit that I throw on when I'm talking about that 24 hour period. So I think you should set aside a full 24 hour period. I think it should be every seven days. So that's like the good first rule of thumb. As far as what that Sabbath practice looks like, like I said, the Bible is not prescriptive about what we're supposed to do. It's really about um, the things that come out of it. When I look at the scriptures is that we're supposed to be remembering God reconnecting with him and reconnecting with each other. Like it's supposed to be, there is a communal aspect of it. Um, You know, in in Exodus, it talks about nobody is to work on the Sabbath, not even, you know, your spouse, your, your servants, nobody. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really because God wanted it to be um, a community dependence on the Lord, as well as like an opportunity. Um, I think, you know, this is just me, my personal opinion. I think I think it's lovely how God really called out every single member of the household so that there was no opportunity for anybody to take advantage of somebody else during that time. Like, okay, well, I'm going to rest, but honey, you can still go do all the hard work while I'm resting. Or, oh, I'll rest, but servant, you go sell stuff at the marketplace and we'll still make money. Sure. You know, sure. so I, I love how God protects holistically everybody involved he he cares for every single person to rest no matter what their position in the household and so that brings me to my next point um get your family involved ask them ask each member of your family now obviously you have a newborn so they're not gonna have much of an opinion but um (laughs) we ask our kids each week how do you think you want to um we have a family meeting on friday i'm sorry a family meeting on sunday night before we start our week and we ask each of our kids this sun, this Sabbath, what, how do you want to rest? And so, um, oh. and they'll tell us, hey, I think I want to do this this week. So um, the way that we structure our Sabbath, we have what we call the five R's, because <laughs> I like alliteration, right. um, but they're remember uh, the Lord your God, that he's your provider, um, reconnect with God and each other, reflect on your week and how God has provided throughout Um rest in ways that are, or, sorry, relax, relax in ways that are unique to your personality and then okay. rejoice as sons and daughters of God. And so we say, if okay. we have things in our Sabbath practice that hits those five things we're doing, we're doing pretty good. And so we kick okay. off our Sabbath with a, a Shabbat meal, a family meal. Um, mm-hmm. And so in the Jewish faith, that's just the time for um, remembering that God is provider. He is faithful. He is just and holy. Um, it's a time of speaking blessing over your children. Um, and so I looked at what some of the traditions were in the Jewish faith, but I wanted them to reflect the fact that uh, we, you know, we are on the side of the cross and we see how God, how Christ mm-hmm. is our Sabbath rest. And so um, I kind of wrote us out a little script that we follow, but we light some candles and we do communion with our kids each week. And um yeah. We speak blessing over them and then we go around the table and we reflect on our week and we ask our kids what was a challenge this week and what was a joy. And um, we have in the past done like a devotion during that time. Right now we're just doing um, the new city catechism with them, but it does allow, it does allow an opportunity for, you know, some really cool conversations because we're just kind of in this relaxed fun. um, But, but also like, habitual right like so there's this habit Mm -hmm. that's being formed where my kids know we are going to be resting and we're going to be doing this and they have even asked me like why do we light these candles every week why do we do this every week and 
I say, well, it, it just helps us remember that God is the one who's faithfully providing for us. It's not us. We, we show up, we do things out of obedience, but God's the one that brings about the results. And so even just having like those little, very little traditions, but consistent mm-hmm. traditions has allowed for opportunity to speak about the goodness of God and his character and helping my children wrap their minds around that. And so, um, and one of our favorite parts is where uh, my husband speaks a blessing over each of the kids for the upcoming week. They love that. They sit there. We we actually have a candle for each one of them. We light the candle as we're speaking oh. the blessing. And, um, okay. and so, yeah, so that's something we've done. Um, but then after that, uh, it pretty much, well, we might play a family game or do something together as a family. And then the kids go to bed. And um, it was, my husband does bedtime during that time. And okay. um, that's when I had that hour of practice, um, hour long reflection time where I was mm. sitting in it while he's putting the kids to bed. And then when he came out from that, we would spend time reconnecting with each other, talking about our okay. week, just enjoying time together. Um, and then the next day, we have already predetermined how we're going to kind of relax together as a family. So it's a slow mm. morning. It's a slow start. We might do, you know, a fun pancake breakfast. We might go out for a walk. We might do board games we might play legos legos is a big thing in my house (laughs) there's a lot of lego creations here and um so yeah so that's kind of how we structure our um our uh our sabbath um i think the keys to structuring the sabbath is just that you um prepare beforehand uh make sure you know kind of what your meals are going to be your friday your, your first meal uh have I would kind of focus your energy on that first meal, make it simple, but kind of make it special and then just eat leftovers. <laughs> keep it easy oh. for the other two meals. <laughs> nice. And I'm all about simple. Like just keep it easy. Like there have been times where we're like, just we're eating off our, off of paper plates because we don't want dishes in the sink. Right. And yeah. Yeah. we didn't want anybody feeling like they needed to do dishes, but now we eat off of, um, we eat off of nicer plates and we just make sure that the dishwasher is emptied before our Sabbath begins. And then we just stick the plates in the dishwasher. So they're out of sight because neither my husband or I like clutter. So that's another thing. Just like decide ah. what the, decide the things that like make you feel unrest, like that unrestfulness. I, that's a, that is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like that, just like <laughs> unease sure. and um, yeah. decide what those things are. Like pick out one And say, okay, if there's only one thing that has to be done before I get to Sabbath, what is it? You know, what in my environment do I need to be in place before I get to Sabbath to just help me rest? And so, Mm. and then just focus on making sure that that's done before you get there. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. I I mean, that really helps me even envision, especially that that first, when it first starts in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to ask if you do like candles. I was I was going to ask if you do that or not. Um, I do. And we the way that we set it up in my script um, that I wrote, we have two candles that we light. And I for us, it represents the Old and New Testament. Um, but I as I'm lighting them, I actually recite uh, John 1, 1 through. Oh, goodness. I can't remember how far I go. But essentially talking okay. about Jesus is the light of the world. And oh, so the true. light yeah, he shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Um, and then I pray after that. And it, essentially the prayer is, it's the same thing every week. <laughs> but okay. it's just saying that, you know, Lord, you're the provider. You've provided us through the death and resurrection of your son. And as we light mm-hmm. these candles, may we remember that and rest in that provision. And so um, that's kind of how we, how we, um, mm-hmm approach that candle lighting but i just i love lighting candles i just think there's just something really special about it we don't do it very Mm -hmm. often in our modern culture and so i think it kind of makes it special it's like oh this different it's this is a different meal from all the other meals we have Mm -hmm. uh just a little side note on candle lighting because i i agree this is a whole separate conversation uh my my family along with christmas also uh, celebrate Hanukkah mm. and um, we're not Messianic Jews. This is just something my parents chose to do. And uh, now as uh, in our own household, my wife and I decided to continue this practice and 
just uh, in a similar vein to this whole Sabbath conversation in the whirlwind of December of all of the Christmas stuff going on, mm-hmm. Hanukkah typically falls sometime during the month of December or late November. This year it was, it ran along right up with Christmas. Mm-hmm. There is something very grounding mm-hmm. about then taking time to step away from all the busyness to light candles and pray blessings over each other. And it's very similar to what's going on. You can, I can have that on a weekend and week out basis of lighting candles, grounding ourselves a little bit and praying and speaking blessings. And that's, yes. again, I don't know why we made this so complicated. And so like, right? a taboo <laughs> thing. like this sounds right. refreshing. Well, I always say I've, I, I said to my husband, um, this is this is going to be a title in an upcoming book that I'm going to be writing. But um, I said the title of the chapter is uh, when you when you uh, when you get to celebrate Christmas every week, you begin to understand what Emmanuel really means. Oh, that is good. And it's like, yeah. it's, you know, Sabbath is this God dwelling with us. That's what it is in Genesis. Like, I think sometimes we confuse God's Sabbath with what he commands us to do, because when God's mm-hmm. Sabbath. He stops creating so that his creation then can create, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. creation has been put into motion and he's like, it's good. Like I did like, it's good. This is what I have designed it to do. It is operating mm-hmm. the way that it needs. But then he, he both stops, he ceases, but then he steps down into creation and dwells with creation in the garden. And that's yeah. another word. Um, that talks about rest. It's like he rested with Adam and Eve in the garden. And Mm. so this idea of like God both stopped, but then he also dwelled with Adam and Eve. And that's why I said, like, I see Sabbath as this concept woven through scripture. And I think that's why Jesus calls himself the Lord of Sabbath. He's literally God dwelling with man. He's literally the image of God, you know, dwelling with his creation, you know, he like takes on the form of man. And then he's also God. He's like both. And it's like this true fulfillment of what Sabbath was always meant to be God dwelling Mm -hmm. with creation and creation dwelling with God and creation operating the way it was supposed to be. And so I just see the Sabbath as something that's such a rest, rest, um, this beautiful dwelling of God with man, but it's also now in where we're at on the side of the cross, waiting for a full restoration of this, you know, this garden kingdom that God yes. had created. Um, as we're waiting for that, we get like this tiny sliver <laughs> of like yeah. a teaser of what's to come. And it's like, why would you not take advantage of that? Why would you not? Sure. I mean, because when we set aside time, we carve out time. First, we get that physical rest. Like, we're like, oh, we fine. Okay, we're good. We're not. There's no demands <laughs> on my day today. There's, you know, I can literally sit on the couch all day long if I wanted to. There's nothing stopping me from physically resting. So we get that first layer. But then we get that mm-hmm. emotional, like, oh, I get to do kind of whatever I want to do today. And for me, that was writing for a while. Um, okay. That was reading. Those were things that I was not getting to do because my week was so jam packed and I was so exhausted. So I started to like rediscover the love I have for writing and reading. Um, mm-hmm. My husband started getting a chance to work in his wood. Um, he likes to work with. Um, oh goodness, he likes to work with wood, like create things, like build oh. things. I totally <laughs> lost the words there. Um, not that hard to say, but uh, he likes to make stuff out of um, wood. And so he was getting to do that on Sabbath. And, you know, and then okay. we got to like play with our kids. And, you know, like you're like beginning to rediscover what it means to just play. And you're like, man, this mm-hmm. is like, okay. So then you have this emotional side that begins to be um, just refreshed and renewed and you're like okay I'm starting to begin to remember who I am as a person like my personality like my personal likes and dislikes what I enjoy to do and what I don't Mm -hmm. like to do and then you also begin to remember by remembering God each week and reflecting with him and resting with him and enjoying life with him you begin to get a spiritual renewing a deeper understanding of the fact that he's created you to do this thing he's created you to work with him 
He's created you to rest with him. He's created you to dwell with him. And it's just this yeah. reminder of what you were originally intended to do all along and a restoration of relationship. I, uh, I like these five R's that you talked about. Well done on the alliteration. From a guy <laughs> who preaches, I have to say, well done on the alliteration. In the episode that came out this month, what should I do on the Sabbath is where I talk about it. And I, I had three. I called it find things that are worshipful, find things that are restful, and find things that are fun yeah full i wish i could make it work Um, (laughs) but that that was the most surprising part to me as i was uh dwelling on uh, dwelling on this class material was this emphasis on play like there Mm -hmm. it was literally like what do you what did you enjoy doing as a child because we get to adulthood and we suddenly think we're not supposed to play and have fun anymore like that's the thing that gets chucked out so just like the permission to once a week for me get on the switch and play legend of zelda or (laughs) go buy a new go buy a new lego set go Mm -hmm. pull out some of my comic books and to just sit back into as not just the only thing but as part of my day of rest and worship is to hey i'm gonna veg out and see what Batman is up to for a little right. bit and build this Star Wars Lego. And it's, it is refreshing and it takes you back to simpler times even. Yeah. So I have a tip for you because right now your, your little one is very little. And so soon yeah. that little one is not going to be taking as many naps. Um, and so, and then if you ever add any more children, <laughs> you'll <laughs> find yourself, you're like, Oh my goodness, there's more of them. And, they don't nap at the same time. Um, and so as you, as your children get older and um, what we have done is we, we call it being the parent on call or the parent on duty um, because okay. they're my husband's children just as much as they're my children. Right. So like, I hate that term. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you're going to watch the kids right now. Like, no, you're the primary yeah. response parent. That's what we call it. Our primary response parent. And so it's like, okay. Um, for this hour, dad is the primary response parent. So if you need anything, you go to dad. Okay. These kids depend on us, right? Like it's legitimate. Like there are needs and there are, sometimes, sometimes they're not so legitimate. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's be honest. But to them, it is right to them. There's some really, Mm you know, um, true needs in their little minds. Um, and then we would swap. So I would do an hour of just getting to do whatever I want to do. And this was separate from my reflective practice. Um, I would just get to do whatever I wanted for an hour. And then vice versa, my husband would just get to do whatever he wanted for an hour without the kids, without feeling the need to respond to the children. And um, that has been a really freeing thing because it can feel, especially um, you might feel this way too, since you are the stay at home parent, but for moms, I know in particular, there's a sense of mom guilt. Like, well, I'm in the same space mm. as my kids. I have this free time. I should be with them. And it's like, yeah. no. And and when they're right there and the kids will automatically go to the parent who is their primary response parent, right? Like the typically the one they go to all the time is the one that they still go to all the time when mm-hmm. both parents are home. And so um, yeah. being able to say, you know, mom's not the primary response parent right now. Dad is, you know, mom's resting. Um, that has just given us a little bit of permission to not feel guilty. It, it took a lot. It took practice. Um, there's still sure. some times where I feel bad about resting for an hour by myself, which is silly. It's so silly, but um, it can feel really, you can feel really guilty about it. And, but that having that does the night time and then also not feeling guilty because you know, your spouse is going to get, that time as well and so um it just gives you both a chance to have moments to do like you're talking about where it's like i get to just do whatever i want and it doesn't have to be productive it doesn't have to be even it doesn't even need to like make anybody else happy because we fall into that trap too as married um when we're married like oh i have some free time let me spend it with my spouse what do you want to do oh i don't know what do you want to do and you guys pick the thing that yeah. you both like doing but maybe that's not something that's like 
maybe there's something over like my husband does not like to watch foreign films <laughs> like he's like if it's not in english he's really not he doesn't okay. read he doesn't read very quickly so to have to read subtitles all the time is a little bit of it's, it's not enjoyable I love movies that are in other languages. So, like, I know, hey, you know what? I have two hours this Sabbath. You know what? Maybe I'll go watch a foreign film that I have been wanting to watch. And I know my husband's not going to enjoy it with me. So it just kind of helps. It just, it kind of gives us a chance to be, you know, ourselves. We hear that so much, and especially in the secular culture, like, I lost myself and I just need to find myself. And um, mm-hmm. I think there is some truth to that. But I think if we try to do that outside the context of what who God says we are and understanding who we are within, like, the identity that God gave us and the identity that he asked us to have, um, I think it can be really dangerous and it can kind of lead um, sometimes lead, lead you astray a little bit. And so you just have to be really careful. But I think when we incorporate it into our practice of Sabbath, it kind of has a protective structure to it. I, I'm very thankful that you brought up this uh, parent on call a- uh, idea that you've mm-hmm. been uh, using, because that has been my wife's biggest question as we have done this class has been, okay, but like, he's still going to cry. He's an infant. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's eight, almost nine months old. He doesn't know what's going on around him. Like, right. so he doesn't know mom needs a break. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know that mom and dad need a break. Like, and mm-hmm. even as he gets older, like you said, I mean, I've, I have three brothers, so I've seen it of like, mm-hmm. you just go the, the, you just go to the one you're comfortable with that you've been around the most. So, you know, right. usually that's, you know, mom mm-hmm. is usually the one that's going to get tagged the most. So we've been talking about, so what does this look like for us then? You know, kind of going back and forth. And we were like, do we have two separate days? Well, this is like keeps coming up that you're supposed to have family time together, do it mm-hmm. together. So this well, I'll definitely have to talk to her about this because this is a good idea of like right. having it structured. Plus, when you they start getting older, then it's broken up with like family activities, I'm assuming. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So on Friday night, we start at 530. Yeah, 536, depending on okay. depending how much I have my act together on Friday. Fridays are a lot harder. We, when we did it on Saturday, I would go right and I would do my um, like my business stuff on Saturday, like some of my deep creative work I would go do on Saturday and my husband would prep the house and get dinner ready. And so Sabbath happened like when it was supposed to happen. Cause that's what he was doing all day long. Now that we have okay. it on Friday night um, and we changed it for just some reasons of just like um, just with our season this year. And sure. um, we're like, let's try it this way. And um, I will tell you, it's a little bit harder because we're, you know, we've got homeschooling going on and I have business stuff going on. And so mm-hmm. it's a little bit more tough, but what we've had to do is set an alarm, um, you know, like at three o'clock on Friday, my kids know it's time to prep for Sabbath. And that means tidying okay. up the house, getting out the plates for the meal. We start working on the meal. And so it's just kind of being accountable to yourself to stop when you say you're going to stop, regardless of the, if things are done or not. But um, yeah, oh. so we... Friday night is mainly family and couple, you know, like that, and that Mm -hmm. like more formalized remembrance. Um, And then Saturday is uh, some weeks we have where uh, what we've done is every, each kid, they get to decide what we do for an hour, you know? Oh, okay. So there's been weeks where we do that. So we just kind of alternate between all five people. Um, and, you know, like that's still only five hours out of the, you know, 24. Sure. And then um, there's been weeks where we're like, nope, this this week we're just as a family, we're going to go to the zoo, you know, okay. or this week we're, you know, mom and dad want to just stay at the house and you guys can play and mom and dad are just going to sit like mom's going to read all day and dad's going to go work in the in his workshop. You know, like so mm-hmm. it all it changes from week to week. What never changes is that or I shouldn't say never. I'm sorry. I do not mean to use that word. We try not to change the the start of Sabbath with the meal. We try to always okay. do that if we can. There have been some weeks that it hasn't happened, but we um, mm-hmm. try to keep that consistent because it has more of that tradition feel to it. I think our kids will always remember that we rested, but when we put some traditions to it, they remember 
more of that like entrance into rest and how it was special from every other day of the week. So we try to make sure we have those traditions more um, repeated each week. And then we kind of adjust the rest of it each week. So, so we've, we've hit on this a couple times as we've been talking, but I would like to know when, when people come to you and say, Hey, Sabbath, like that's the law. I'm not required to keep the law anymore. How, how do you respond to that? You know, we've talked about it here and there, but maybe just very succinctly, someone comes to you and says, Hey, I don't think we should be doing this. Like what, how do you respond to that? Well, I tell them that the Jews weren't saved by their keeping of the law either. It's been okay. it's always been Jesus's provision of his sacrifice and, you know, death and resurrection. So you're right. Keeping Sabbath is not going to save you. Keeping Sabbath is not a requirement for salvation, but it never was. And I think that sometimes we mistake what the Jews were asked that to follow the law was a, um, a, uh, what'd you call it? Like a mirror. It was meant to, to show. Oh, yes. You know, it was meant to show that you couldn't, it was meant to be a mirror to show just how depraved we actually are. You know, it was meant to show that nobody could come. But I think people also forget that the Jews were meant to be a chosen people, meaning they were meant Mm -hmm. to be different from everybody else so that people would know that the Messiah had come. You know what I mean? Like it, they yes. were meant to be a people that the Messiah was going to come from and that they could point to and say, he's the Messiah. He has fulfilled all these proper prophecies. He's the one that is here to save us and save the whole world. But um, it's always been about that. And so when people are so caught up in keeping the law or not keeping the law, it's like you kind of forget that it's always been about God, about Jesus um death and resurrection so it didn't even matter keeping the sabbath never had anything to do with salvation keeping the sabbath was about our right relationship with the lord and making sure that we never try to become the creator that we remember that we're just the image of the creator that we don't try to that we steward creation we don't try to sustain it because that's god's job Mm -hmm. and so it's putting us in our right. It's like realigning and writing our mindset. That's what Sabbath is about. And it has always been about that. Even when they're in the desert collecting manna, right? Because that came, that happened mm-hmm. right after he had delivered them. And they're like, you brought yeah. us out here just to die from salvation, from starvation. Right. And it was God realigning their mindset. I delivered you from enslavement. You're wanting to go back into enslavement. But no, I'm I'm a faithful <laughs> provider. Let's realign this. Let's let's get yeah. you back in where you're supposed to be. Because let's be honest, that's what even Adam and Eve struggled with. God had provided everything for them. Yeah. And they wanted to know what are they missing out on? What more could there be for me? It yeah. was a an it was a an act of rebellion against being content with what provision they had been given. So Sabbath has always been there. It has always been about that relationship and alignment with God rather than salvation. Um, I think Christ dying and, and um, saving us from the penalty of sin, that is a separate thing from from Sabbath. I don't, I, I'm kind of mm-hmm. diving a little bit more deeper, probably theological than we have time for right now, but um and that wasn't very succinct, but I think it's kind of hard for me sometimes. Sometimes it's really hard for me because I'm like, you don't understand. Like if you really start to peel back all the layers that are there to this, all the layers yeah. of, you know, what it means for God to dwell with his creation. The fact that some theologians think that the seventh day didn't even end, like the seventh day mm-hmm. didn't have an end to it because it's actually not stated in scripture that, you know, every other day has a morning and evening and it was the end of that day. But the yeah. seventh day doesn't. And so they're like, oh, we think that the seventh day was supposed to continue. And you're like, oh, really? Well, that's fascinating because if that's the truth, then, you know, sin marred that. And now um, when Jesus comes back, it'll be a restoration of that seventh day. Like when you start to like really start going into it, yeah, you're like, this is mind blowing. And I think when God talks about sometimes throughout scripture, even 
keeping his Sabbath and his commandments. And you're like, what? They're separate? <laughs> like, it's just a bigger <laughs> deal than I think people understand. And when we're like, okay, let's just go simply, though. If we're just going to pull it simply, you have 10 commandments. You're willing to do all of them except for that one. Why? I think the fact that you don't want to do it says more about the fact, like, says more about your heart, the state of your heart than anything else. Because that's actually what I consider a hinge commandment. You know, the okay. the verses be- or the commandments before it are about our relationship with God. The verses yes. after it are about our relationship with others. The Sabbath is the one time where we reconnect with God and each other. Mm-hmm. So it's literally about both things, right? Yeah. And so yeah. if we're actively sabbathing if we're actively resting in god's provision physically mentally spiritually our hearts and our minds are going to realign with what god wants for his people and it's going to realign with what he wants for his creation and we're going to treat each other in the way that he wants us to treat each other we're going to worship him in the way that he wants us to worship so if you want to do the other nine commandments start with the fourth one yeah I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's actually, I, I based an entire episode off of this idea of, hey, we're kind of cool with thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not lie and we're, you know, have no other gods before me. You know, we're, you know, Jesus summarized it, love God, love others. And we're so cool in practice with doing all the rest of the Ten Commandments but this one. But I like the way that you put it, that it's the hinge command, that this is the one that kind of bridges the gap between the two as we reconnect with God and reconnect with others. We get to do both commands at the same time. You know, it's great. Because really, what does Jesus sum it up as? Love God and love others, right? Yeah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and do unto others, you know, the same. And, you know, it just, I... I, I think that, of course, I, I, let me, let me, let me pull back a little bit. I get fired up sometimes about this because people are like, oh, well, you know, we don't have to Sabbath anymore. And you're like, okay, um, so you don't want to take a day of rest because why? Let's ask Mm -hmm. yourself, why do you not, what, what would, what is going to be, what's wrong with that? Like, what, what is so wrong? Like, I think our culture I think the enemy mm-hmm. has so fooled you into thinking that the Sabbath is an is a wrong thing. Like, of course, he doesn't want you resting with God and reconnecting with him. Or, of course, he doesn't want you trusting in God's provision. Of course, he doesn't want you, mm-hmm. uh, like, remembering God's faithfulness in your life. Because if you can't remember God's faithfulness in your life, it makes it hard to walk in faithfulness in the future. You know, like, you have to remember yeah. how many times in the Bible— are we told to remember God, like remember who God is and what he's done mm-hmm. for you? And because if we're not looking back and seeing I was here, but now I'm here and this is what God did in between, then we it makes it a lot harder to step out in faith in the, you know, in the things that he's called us to do. And so I think the enemy wants us too busy to do what God wants us to do. I think he wants us too busy to rest with God. And I think he wants us too busy to be obedient to the person mm. that God, God has designed us to be and the works that he's created for us to do. That, yeah. I don't know. That's the best place to end this. This would you, we have hit the high note for sure. So thank you, Rachel, for taking time out of your schedule to be here, to come talk about Sabbath rest. Uh, where can people go to find your work? Well, um, if they want to know more about how they can start a Sabbath practice themselves, you can go to simplysabbath.com. I have a five-step guide to help you get started. And then I have some sample schedules you can print out, um, some kind of checklist for you, um, just some things to help you along your way. I also have the script that I wrote. It's You, you can purchase it um, for, I think it's like four ninety nine. Um, and then I also have my guided journal and it's available on Amazon. It's called rest and reflect. Uh, and 
the subtitle, I think, is um, Conversations with Your Creator about your identity, purpose, and belonging. And so those are uh, the resources that you can do um, to learn more about Sabbath. And then on on the Simply Sabbath website, there's a page called Dig Deeper, where I've kind of organized the episodes I've done by topic. So it just makes it a little bit easier to find if you're looking for something in particular. And then you can connect with me on socials. Um, I'm Rachel Fahrenbach pretty much on everything. <laughs> so okay. you can find me if you have any questions. I, I'm willing to share what little I've learned along the way, um, share things that have worked for me. Maybe they might help you. So um, just hit me up. And you have a novel coming out? Uh, yes, in June. <laughs> That's the goal. Cool. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, good luck to you on that. And I will throw some links in the description of this episode for you listeners at home to find uh, quick links to Simply Sabbath and to uh, Rachel's socials. You can also find the links to the My Seminary Life website and shop if you want to pick up a nice mug that you can drink a hot cup of tea on your next Sabbath day. Just consider that. Uh, also, <laughs> I need to get have, myself one of those. <laughs> there you go. Um, I should ooh make Sabbath. Okay, I got it. Um, <laughs> also, if you ever have any questions for me, you can always contact the show at emailseminarylife at gmail.com. Again, that's emailseminarylife at gmail.com. Thank you once again, Rachel, for being here. I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in once again. This coming week, uh, next up on the show, is going to be a sermon of mine on Luke 18, 1 through 8, the uh, parable of the uh, persistent widow, talking about why we need to be persistent in praying for justice. So be on the lookout for that. And remember, theology is for everyone, so keep on studying.